Good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. Glad to have everybody here this morning. Uh, visitors, we're glad you're here. If you haven't been here in a while, we're glad you're back and hope you will come and visit each and every opportunity that you have. Uh, if you're watching from home or remotely or later in time, thank you for joining us. Uh, we do thank our uh, family and friends out at uh, the Knowles Assisted Living Community. We're glad you're with us. Should be seeing you later today. We are glad that we're being able to get to know you. So hopefully we will continue uh, getting to know each other. Uh, glad you're here again. If you happen to need something to help you stay warm, do not leave the building until you've had an opportunity to see if we have something that will help. Lots of fleece uh, blankets. They either have Virginia Tech, sorry, or a Washington football team on them. Again, sorry. But if they're trying to keep you warm, who cares what team it says? Hats and some other, other things. If you need something, let's see if we've got it before you leave. We're doing a series about the coat of many colors. And yes, I'm going to put this thing on again uh, because I want us to be thinking about Jacob's gift to his son, Joseph. We started this last week. i to get this on. Never quite was taught how to put on a coat when I was younger. Howard's taking a picture of me in the coat, I guess. Should I, should I come over here? Do you want to see it this way? But uh, I, don't, I have no idea whether Jacob's coat looks like uh, Thurl's robe that we have a picture of here on the main screen or like this or something else. No idea. But I want us to have some lessons from the different colors that might have been in the coat. Last week, we introduced it and talked about one color in particular. Gave him a coat of many colors that created all sorts of stress and disagreement among uh, Joseph and his brothers. And so I want to focus on whether there is something we can learn from the colors in the coat. So what are the colors saying? I, I really don't suspect Jacob had in mind the lessons that we're going to draw from the colors in the coat. But who knows? We can draw lessons from focusing on the coat of many colors. Even if you hear Dolly Parton's song, The Coat of Many Colors, we can be thinking about the colors and what they mean. So last week we talked about green, and we got to focusing on green as a color for growth. Now it's hard to believe, as we heard, right, the spring is busting out all over when we're going to have, what, 20 degree weather tonight. But it is coming, and as it's coming, we're going to see green start to show up. So things grow in the springtime, green is the color of growth. When you see green, whether it's in a coat of many colors, or you see green somewhere, last week we, we said, please focus on the idea that we all need to grow closer to God. That we need to grow closer to God. So how can we do that? The only real way to do that is to focus on God's word. That is the seed, that is the food upon which we grow. Things that are written by people, no matter how famous they may be, no matter how uh, important a preacher they may be, or some psychological self-help guru they may be, don't compare to simply looking at what Jesus and his apostles and disciples said that we have recorded in the New Testament. Let's continue to focus on growing. This morning, let's look at the next color I want to focus on, and that's going to be yellow. Yellow is certainly a vivid color in this coat, so we're gonna focus on yellow after focusing on green last week. Yellow could have stood for a number of things in the coat that Jacob gave Joseph. 
pure bright yellow is usually the easiest color to see. I mean, it's, it's in the middle of the spectrum. It happens to be the color, as we'll say in a moment, of sunshine. It's, it's a very vivid color that jumps. It's full often of creative and intellectual energy. And I've often wondered, is that why the notepads are often yellow pads, yellow notepads? Maybe that's to help stimulate creativity and intellectual energy. Imagine if they were a dark blue. First of all, it's kind of hard to read your notes unless you're writing in white ink or something like that. But a yellow notepad for creative energy. Yellow often symbolizes wisdom and it can mean joy and happiness. Funny, uh, small aside here, yellow happens to be the color my wife hates the most. She really dislikes yellow. Uh, I kind of like yellow, I like lemon, and so I like yellow, she hates it, so if I ever bring in something yellow, it disappears rather quickly. I have no idea what happens to it. Uh, if you're married, you know full well what happens to it, I suspect, but uh, yellow is not one of her favorite colors. Yellow daffodils, yellow buttercups are often a sign of unrequited, unrequited, how do you say that? Requited or requited? Quieted? Yeah, unrequited love, right? Love that's not returned or love that is unknown and so you're kind of focusing on this other person in isolation. So don't pick a buttercup to give it to that special someone lest they think, oh, I can not pay attention to this. This guy's chasing after me or this woman's chasing after me. Like the energy of a bright, sunny day, which I'm really hopeful it's gonna turn out to be here, yellow brings clarity and awareness. The shade of yellow can often determine its effect too, studies tell us. Yellow-green, kind of a yellowish green where you get a little further toward the green end of the spectrum, tends to be associated, I really don't know why, with deceit and can create a more disorienting feeling. So yellow-green is probably not a good color to paint something, unless that's the feeling you're trying to give somebody. Orange-yellow can impart a sense of establishment if you go a little more toward the red end of the spectrum. Yellow to red is where you get the orange coming through. But we also know that bright yellow represents sunlight. Now knowing I was gonna talk about this today, I'm really glad the sun has finally come out because as we saw perhaps earlier this morning, we were having some snowflakes and it was cloudy. I thought, well, we were going to imagine the sunlight above the clouds, but now we've got some. And as I say that, sure enough, it goes behind a cloud. But we've got sunlight. Let's see what we can learn from the color yellow and the idea of light this morning from the Bible. In Genesis chapter one, verse three, we read, let there be light. One of the first things God created was light. Let there be light. God is the source of light. Psalm 27 verse one, the psalmist says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If we've got our sights focused on God, and if we have our hope and our trust in God, that's a statement all of us should be able to make. The Lord is my light and my salvation. But whom, whom shall I fear? Who can hurt me if I'm focusing on God? Because no matter what happens to me in the here and now, God has this. And so that, I think that's a great thing to focus on. The Lord is my light. Mark led the 
song that comes from this statement in Psalm 119, it's verse 105, longest chapter in the Bible. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So when we talked last week about green and growth and the focus was on growing from within the word, from reading the things Jesus said, from reading the things God wants us to know from the letters of the apostles, that word is not only green and helps us grow from a symbolism perspective, but it's also a light to our path. If I want to know how do I live my life the way God wants me to live, the only way to know that is to go and see what God has told us. So God's word is in fact the focus. First John chapter one, verse five, we read from the apostle John, he says, this is the message we have heard from him from Jesus and proclaim to you. What is this message? That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light. If you think of light being a safety, if you think of light being full, dark is the absence of those things. Dark is, is not so much a color when it comes to light, it's the absence of light. So God is the fullness of everything, the source of everything. He is going to be light. There can't possibly be anything that he's lacking. Well, think about what that means. If I am in God, if I am in God's family, if God is where my focus is, there will be hopefully less and less darkness within me because I want to become more God-like, more Godly each and every day. Look at those three words, three words. God is light. There are a number of things that are essential to life, like food, air, water, certainly light. You know, if the sun that's right up out here, right, if it stops shining, first of all, if it stopped right now, we wouldn't know it for eight and a half minutes. That's how far away the light has to travel before it even gets here. But how long would we be okay here on the earth if the sun were blown out? Not very long. You think it's cold today, you think it's going to be cold tonight, the sun keeps shining, the earth is going to cool off awfully quick. We won't be worried about anything like global warming if the sun were to go out. Without the sun, you can't possibly have food, air, and water. Some years ago now, uh, we had a space probe that flew past Pluto, what used to be the furthest planet away from the sun until it got demoted. So poor, poor Pluto. But when the spacecraft flew past it, the sun is just really more than a bright star way off in the distance if you were standing on that ice ball out there. And when it took pictures of it, that's all it was, was a ball of ice, a ball of ice. That's what the earth would look like if the sun quit shining. I will suggest to you, that's what we will look like if we don't have that light of God within us. You meet people sometimes whose heart just seems cold, it seems indifferent, it seems like it doesn't really care that you're suffering, that you're going through pain. The only way you can have a heart that is cold is if there is no warmth, no light, no God within that person's heart. The world, however, needs more than light from the sun, S-U-N. I want to argue this morning it needs light from the sun, S-O-N. In fact, let me stop here. I'm going to give you a homework assignment. We're talking about growing, talking about spending some time in the Word. This week, Find the time to read 1 John chapter 1. 
If you don't have a Bible, we've got Bibles. Feel free to get one and take it with you. If you've got a phone or you already have a Bible, 1 John chapter 1. It's, it's a, toward the end of the 27 books. It's a, it's a small chapter. It's like 10 verses or so. Read 1 John chapter 1 where this statement comes from. Because I want us this week, collectively, all of us, to be focused on the idea that God is light. So when you see something yellow, think about the fact that God is light. 1 John chapter 1, homework problem. I may or may not ask for a raise of hands. I'm sure I won't. But I'll be going, I'll make you remember. Did you read it? 1 John chapter 1, try to do that this week. If God is light, look what Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Remember the song Mark led earlier, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine? Where's the light come from? God is light, in him is no darkness at all. Jesus came to the earth to show us the light. And when we start focusing on living our lives for God, when we become a member of God's family, that light starts living within us. So how am I supposed to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world? Only by Jesus' light, God's light living within me and showing in my heart a heart that cares, a heart that shows love. The background here for John 8 makes this a very interesting, to me anyway, a statement by Jesus. He's in a crowd. He's, he's talking. I am the light of the world. What's going on when he says this in John chapter 7 and John chapter 8? He says this during one of the festivals, one of the feasts that the Jewish people kept, the Feast of Tabernacles. This is where they were to remember that they had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They were to build these, more or less, we might say, huts and live in them for several days, not inside their homes. The Feast of Tabernacles were tents. A tabernacle is a fancy word for a tent. That's when he says it. Well, on the evening of the first day of this feast, the Jewish people did something in Jerusalem which they called the illumination of the temple. The temple was up on Temple Mount inside Jerusalem. No matter where you were in Jerusalem, you'd be able to see the temple. It's almost like the way it used to be in downtown Nashville. No matter where you were, you could tell where you were by looking for the Batman building, right? That was the temple. That was where the, that's the way the temple was visible anywhere you were. Well, what were they doing with this illumination of the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles when Jesus makes this statement saying, I am the light of the world? In the center of the court of the women on the grounds of the temple, four great candelabra, imagine huge things holding great torches, were prepared. And when dark came, they set fire to those candelabras, all these giant torches, all around the temple. Okay? And it was said that the light, remember, they didn't have street lights. They didn't have you know, any light, whether it be a little candle or something in, a, in a, a, a thing of oil or a candle sitting on a shelf. These were the lights of the city. And it is said that the blaze was so intense that throughout every courtyard, every street in Jerusalem, you would see the temple lit up all around. Jesus is saying, You've seen this blaze that shows you the temple piercing the darkness of the night. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If 
for the one that follows me, there's going to be light, not only for one exciting night, not only for the start of a festival, but for their entire life. You will never again walk in darkness. The light showing in the temple is really brilliant. What an amazing thing it is. You remember seeing it a few days ago. But in the end, it flickers and dies. I am the light which lasts forever. They would have connected Jesus' statement that I am the light of the world with this illumination of the temple. They would have understood the contrast between that brilliant light that lit up the temple and went out. And Jesus saying, I'm the light of the world and whoever follows me will never live in darkness again. We miss that because we don't know. But that was such an interesting thing when I found out about it. Notice as well, he says, I am the light of the world. How do we get to where we will have the light of life? He doesn't say, I am the light of the world and you will have the light of life. Do you see in between? I've got it underlined on the screen. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Jesus is the light of the world, but if people don't follow him or somebody doesn't follow him, they will be continuing to walk in darkness. So look at what this whoever follows me, this phrase often means. There are several meanings. It was used of somebody who accepted a wise counselor's opinion. If I were to go to a wise person and say, you know, here's my problem. What do you think? If we're old, we remember a TV commercial where somebody would say, E.F. Hutton's my broker. And he says, and the whole crowd would go, because supposedly this broker, E.F. Hutton, had all the wisdom and everybody wanted to know what E.F. Hutton said. I don't know, is E.F. Hutton even in business anymore? I don't have any idea. They don't advertise that. But if you went to a wise person and you followed the wise person, you would hear their counsel, hear their advice, and you go, that makes sense. You accept what they tell you. Jesus could be meaning whoever hears my words and accepts them will not walk in darkness. That's one meaning of whoever follows me. It also meant giving obedience to the laws of a city or state. You know, I follow the laws of Nashville when I accept what they say and I do what they require. Otherwise, I'm walking in darkness or I may be walking in darkness by not having freedom, depending on which law I violate. Presumably, there's still a law against jaywalking, but I don't know whether anybody's ever been arrested for it recently. I haven't seen that in the news. But you know what I mean, right? If we accept the laws of a city or a state, we are following the laws. Jesus may be saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if you keep my commandments, you will not walk in darkness anymore. That's another possible meaning of whoever follows me. There are five. I'll give you a heads up. There's five. That was number two. The third one would be following a teacher's line of argument or getting the main point of somebody's speech. The worst thing is when you're listening to somebody speak, hopefully nobody's thinking this today, and you listen to it all and you're like, what was all that about? You didn't seem to get the main point of the speech. There were a lot of words, but not a lot of stuff to take home with. In this case, whoever follows me, whoever gets it, what he's talking about, whoever gets what I'm talking about will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The fourth one, could describe a soldier following a captain. You know, there was an old Disney movie which was about Boy Scouts and it was called Follow Me Boys. It had the guy that was in uh, My Three Sons, I think. I forget his name at the moment. 
But it was like, follow me, boys. And so they would follow the leader. Well, if you're in the army, you follow the captain. You follow the lieutenant. You follow the person that outranks you. And hopefully, they're leading you in the right direction. Jesus may be saying, if you follow me, if you do what I wish, what I'm telling you to do, if you let me lead you, you will no longer live in darkness. And finally, the last one of a slave accompanying their master. There were a lot of slaves, a lot of slaves in the Roman Empire in this day. They outnumbered free people by easily 10 to 1. Somebody in the Roman Senate once said, you know, what we really need is to put all the slaves in some kind of red-colored tunics so we can tell who's slave and who's free. And they realized, that's a horrible idea because you would have been walking through the streets and it would have been a sea of red with only a few people not wearing red. What message would that tell the slave? Look at all the power that they might have. So they put that idea over here real quickly. They didn't do that. You know, we are the slaves of Jesus. We are slaves of God. Paul calls himself a slave of Jesus Christ. That's what we are. Jesus bought us with his blood. We are his. He owns us completely and has every valid reason to expect we will obey what he tells us. And that service, he says, is not burdensome, but it's light when we follow him. So all five of these, look at them, all five of these can describe how we need to follow Jesus. We need to accept his advice, accept what he says, and give heed to it. We need to obey the commandments he's given us. We need to follow and get what he's talking about, and that will improve our life here on the earth and hereafter. We need to follow him because he is our Lord, he is our leader, and as his slaves, we need to follow him because he is the master. There's a physical disorder, medical disorder, that's caused by the lack of light. It really, really happens the further north you live when you have darkness where maybe it's light for a few hours a day or even worse, you get too far above that Arctic circle and you're going to have several months of where you have no sunlight at all. It's called seasonal affective disorder and what an acronym, what an abbreviation it has, S-A-D, right, S-A-D. It's caused by that lack of sunlight, which affects the brain chemistry. It causes depression because you're not out in the sunlight. You don't see sunlight. How is it treated? If you have this seasonal affective disorder, how is it treated? By light therapy, by light therapy. You increase the person's exposure to bright light. The chemicals in the person's brain will alter again because of the exposure to bright light and that will either lessen or remove these depression symptoms that can happen because you have SAD. We need light just like we need God. Since God is light, if we don't have enough, bear with me here, but if we don't have enough God in our life, then we are going to have a disorder. And that's a disorder that I don't want to trivialize it, but it certainly is going to make us sad and the world sad. The world's got a lot of problems. What's a root cause of so many of them? God's not in the hearts of people. It's really not. The solution's been around for a long time. 
but look how smart we think we are. And we ignore the solution that would make the world a better place. Back again to 1 John. I want to look at verses 5 through 7. Remember now, this is homework to read 1 John chapter 1. This is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus, and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If I say I'm a member of God's family, but I live my life like I don't know who he is, I live my life ignoring the things he has said, not following him as my master, not letting him lead me as my captain, not getting the get of whatever he's trying to tell me, the gist, the main points, changing my life. God says I'm a flat out liar. I follow Jesus. No, you don't. You're just a liar. That's pretty harsh. That's what he says right here in verse 6. We lie and look, do not practice the truth. You can know the truth up here, but it's got to come out down here in how we live and what we do. But, I always look for the word but when I'm reading something in the Bible. And when you see the word but, look before and look after because that word but is a contrast. It's a change. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. But, I'm so glad when you see the word but in scripture. But, if we walk in the light, if I live my life the way God wants me to, if I live my life following what Jesus has said for me to do in my heart and my actions, we have fellowship one with another. That's the horizontal fellowship because we're members of God's family and the blood of Jesus cleanses us, continues to cleanse us from all sins. This is continual action. This is one of these things where if I keep following Jesus, if I keep following God, I'm going to make mistakes. But my life is going to be such that I keep coming back to him. My question this morning, when you see this yellow color this week, I want you to ask yourself, am I in the light? Or am I saying I'm in the light and I'm actually lying? If you're not in the light, please stop walking in darkness today and come to the light, come to Jesus who is the light of the world so that this little light of yours can shine into a dark, dark place outside of the world. If there's something with which we can help you today, whether prayer or becoming a member of God's family, so easy to do by understanding what Jesus did, determining to change your life from wrong to right, and being buried in water as Jesus commanded to be raised to walk as a brand new person. Please, please come as we stand and sing.